This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack had you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. And welcome in. It's another episode of 5th Avenue Faceoff. Chris Mack of the Fan Morning Show and Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh with you on Odyssey's Pittsburgh Penguins podcast. And man, do we have a lot to get to. Make sure... As always, that you are following the podcast inside your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. You'll get new episodes as soon as they are ready. Bang, right there in your app or however you get your podcasts. Uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, iTunes. You subscribe, and while you're subscribing, be sure to like and rate and review. And uh, that's how you get it. That's how you get the podcast right there, even when there's not that much fun to talk about. And joining me as he does a couple times a week, making sure he's all set up and looking good. Looking Gucci, Tango, Eric Tangrady, uh, head coach at Shadyside Academy, former Pittsburgh Penguin. Eric, we got a we got a little bit of a mess on our hands, and I'm not talking about you rearranging the furniture while we get started oh, here man. today, bud. That would be a heck of a clip if you just saw what I went through for the last 30 <laughs> seconds during your opening. But um, no, it's a, it's a, yeah, dumpster fire all of a sudden, it seems like. Yeah, so I, I, this this is how I'm – now what? Now what? Because they've got – I did the math, and the quick math is not good um, because they're headed out to, to face Colorado and Dallas the next couple nights. Uh, two teams that are playing really well, battling for the Central Division title along with the Minnesota Wild. And Florida, who's now leapfrogged the Penguins, is a point ahead of them in the wild card race. Pens are outside looking in. Well, they've got the, the Flyers. And then a couple of home games, they get the Leafs and the Rangers. So even if they only pull out four points, let's say they only pull three points out of those three games for some reason, and the Pens lose the two out West, then it's entirely possible the Pens are four points back going into Saturday's game against the Caps with just 10 games to go. I don't want to say that's insurmountable because it's not, but the way they've played and with the injuries mounting up on the blue line, that's... That's where I take a step back and go. I don't. I honestly don't think they get in, man. Yeah, and, and not that like there's a, there's maybe there is a thing as hockey karma. I don't really believe too much in karma, but like that's a team that then becomes one that's like watching other teams' games and saying we need help, we need luck, we need this, we mm-hmm. need that. And I don't know if they've deserved any of that luck or any of that help from other teams throughout the season. Like the last month, they with the we'll call it subpar performance, they still seem like they had a lot of control of their own destiny, which in most playoff cases, if you have a bad couple of weeks, it's like, forget about it. So, mm-hmm. um, 
Yeah, it, 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 it seems like a lot of the things that we were been talking about are getting close to just almost being inevitable and out of control than before of like, let's just find some consistency and win some, some big games. And we talked last week about, you know, sure, the Montreal game and the current state of where they were as a team, you know, dropping that one wasn't that big of a deal. Now look where we sit after, right. you know, that week and losing to Ottawa. Um, it's a very, very intimidating next, uh, we'll call it, you know, five days. Because even – even a beat up Washington, Washington comes into Pittsburgh. Like they want to play their best hockey. Like I look at this right. as like three straight playoff games. And um, you know, like you said, it, it, you don't want to say it's over, but it almost seems insurmountable of a, of a comeback if, to, to lose a couple of games the next few days. Yeah. You know, our producer, Greg Finley pointed it out before you jumped on, before we hit record. Uh, he said, you know, the caps are going to want to come in and play spoiler. They might not have much else to play for. This could be the closest they're going to get to a game seven this year, Saturday night uh, at PPG Paints Arena. And when you look at the way the Pens have played, yes, they've played. You go back to the beginning of January, and they're 10-3-2 against non-playoff teams. But against playoff teams, they're absolutely brutal. 5-13-1 with a negative 30 goal differential. Um, and that's the kind of stuff that indicates to me that they're not, they don't belong with those playoff teams. You know, that's, and and look, when you lose the games to, to the Rangers, even if it's ugly on Saturday night, losing six, nothing. Okay. You're losing to a better team. I guess you can swallow it. Even if you don't like it, you take your medicine and move on. But when you lose, like you said, to Montreal, when you lose to Ottawa at home, that's the stuff that indicates you're not quite ready for prime time. You're not quite ready for the playoffs. Right. And when you talk about good playoff teams and beating good hockey clubs, it consider, you know, it, it requires consistency from all four lines and all six D. And I think like when you look at the games against lower end opponents and that record you, you spoke of, like you can get away with two lines driving the bus, but you can't hide when you get into these playoff type games against, you know, legit contenders in the East and West Com- Western conference. So, um, uh, again, uh, it seems like sometimes you sit here and the Penguins and that leadership just finds a way to sneak in the playoffs. But all along, I would, I mean, maybe we'll take a poll or see, especially now, like would people have been happy pre-trade deadline accepting the fact that this team is transitioning to the future uh, instead of maybe there, there weren't a lot of significant deals, but not anything that is really setting the team up for the future. Yeah, and you know what? I, I want to get into the the future stuff in just a second because I, you know, the questions continue to mount uh, about where things go from here this uh, this later this spring and summer because I don't think anybody really believes they're long for the playoffs even if they get in at this point. But let me get talk, this is a bit of difficult discussion I think for Mike Sullivan to have with his team. But you see a guy like Jeff Carter, for example. Now I'm not going to drag Dumoulin into this because Brian Dumoulin has to play right now because of the injuries on the blue line. Uh, but he was, he should have been a part of this discussion before Kulikov uh, got hurt and before Petrie got hurt, before Pedersen got hurt. And Carter has been a part of this conversation going all the way back to really the new year. And that's the idea of benching veterans and guys with Stanley Cup experience, right? And I, I understand that you you feel like it's, I guess, disrespectful somewhat to bench guys with that kind of pedigree, with that kind of experience. But we're at the point now where, like we were just talking about, you're behind the eight ball. You're on the outside looking in, and you're going to need help now to get in. And you don't control your own destiny. 
And if they were waiting for the playoffs before they sat those guys down when there's no cap and you can call up whoever, um, you can't wait for that anymore. So how hard of a decision is that for, for Sullivan at this point? And what do you think it would look like to the guys in the room? Do you, I, would, would they be, I guess, turned off by it? Would they be relieved by it? What's the reaction if Sullivan finally makes the move to sit down Carter and once some more defensemen are healthy, maybe Dumoulin as well? Yeah, that's a that's a that's why the NHL coaches get to make those hard decisions. There's some that are able to pull the trigger and make those moves. The only problem with that is is sometimes when you sit a veteran for let's call it an unproven or someone who um, has to come in the lineup and take that spot, like you can cause some issues in the locker room. Um, mm-hmm. We don't know exactly. I mean, with the pedigree and his history, I'm sure Jeff Carter is is a great teammate and awesome guy to have in the locker room. I mean, he's likable by all of his teammates. Um, that does play a factor in it, believe it or not, as far as culture goes and, and what's going to do to the bench. Um, you know, that being said, I think the bigger issue is the amount of minutes. I think you can dress him yeah. and kind of guard him in a different role and play him more as a fourth line um, win face-offs, kind of get off the ice type thing. But the extended role, I think, is where I have seen that there's some some disconnect between what I think what we're seeing and maybe what they're seeing. But as far as just not dressing them, um, I think that can cause bigger issues than actually who you insert in the lineup to improve the lineup just because of the culture and the guys and the veteran presence that might be affected by that. Yeah, it's 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 something that I, I think a lot of people it flies in the face for a lot of people of a team that should be doing absolutely everything it can uh, to get into the playoffs. Like I, I, I understand you want to respect a veteran. And like you said, maybe you can do it in a different way by guarding him, but I think it might be more of a detriment to the lineup. If you're only playing a guy six, seven, eight minutes a night, he's only going out, taking a draw on his side of the ice and then immediately racing to the bench. Now you're playing your third line more or your third line center more at least, or maybe you're, double shifting Crosby or Malkin with the fourth line just to get Carter off the ice. Not that I have a problem with those guys getting more ice time, but now you're in a spot where you're, you're shuffling your whole alignment up front, just based on we, we know this guy can't do it anymore, but we don't want to quote unquote disrespect him by sending him to the press box. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you make a really good point. And I think that the biggest issue then that comes down to is how does the hierarchy of kind of, we'll call it power work in the organization? Because um, I think some of those hard decisions too have pride factors, right? Like mm-hmm. does the general manager signs somebody to a two-year deal and says to the coach, like, I'm not getting made look bad right now because we got to have, you know, this guy's coming back or we we believed in this guy. We I told the media, I believe in our group. And I mean that. So now, what does it look like for me if I go and sit those exact guys that I said to everybody right. I believe in? Like, there's a pride aspect that is involved in sports with players and coaches and management, and I think sometimes that can play a factor of is maybe this team not maybe they know maybe we're not built to win and we're just trying to show we're making moves and we're just trying to show show show. But then at the same time, like the biggest thing that alarms me as a Pittsburgh Penguins hockey fan because that's what I am right now, like the attendance numbers. 
like the, the, the fans are almost speaking to the organization in the sense of like, we're not happy right now. We're not happy. Right. And we've taken for granted Crosby, Malcolm, Latang for sure. But those guys should still be selling out arenas. But I think the fan base is actually speaking to the organization. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because it ties into what I was going to bring up next. Josh Yoey pointed it out on Twitter. He covers the Pens for the Athletic last night, talking about the atmosphere in the building uh, up until the final couple minutes when Raquel scored and Jari made a couple big saves. Uh, the atmosphere wasn't great in the building. You're talking about, and we see it on TV, the empty seats. You see it if you're in the building, the empty seats uh, around both the lower and upper seating bowls at PPG Paints Arena. And you also mentioned hierarchy of the organization. And I think all that comes together, especially if we're talking about a team that's not making the playoffs and not cashing the the checks of the getting a couple home games in the playoffs is who's going to step up and take accountability this offseason. Whether the season ends on April 13th or a week or two later after a first round exit, who from Fenway Sports Group or perhaps someone here in Pittsburgh who's working on behalf of Fenway Sports Group, who's going to be the one to take accountability? And that's something that you've heard people talk about a lot more lately. And this is the big question for me, Eric, when we get to the offseason, when we get to the to late April and beyond, especially between late April and, say, July 1st or the draft in June, that is a, a huge, say, two-month period for me to see how much ownership do, well, the owners actually take of this organization. Do we get someone from Boston coming down and speaking to us about what the direction of this organization is going to be? Can John Henry not be bothered by that because he's too busy with the Red Sox and with Liverpool? Um, or do we get, say, a Kevin Acklin, who's more of a business guy on the operations side, stepping up and, and taking charge? Or is Brian Burke thrust into even more of a forward-facing role on the hockey side. All of this is a great question to what you brought up the hierarchy of the organization going into this summer. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's what we're all kind of like looking at. And I think that's why Lemieux played such a focal point uh, in his role. Like, I don't think, you know, he was very, very calm in his way of saying like, I don't make a lot of personnel decisions. I'm kind of here to just connect the fan base to the organization. And I think mm -hmm. you'd always see him with the previous owner, um, I'd be interested to see who kind of like that next face is of who's going to be that direct contact to take the accountability of like, this is my team and this is what I have for a vision of this team. And sometimes that can't be someone directly in hockey ops. It has to come kind of from a, a broader scheme of things. Like a, you know, we talked about, like I said, Lemieux was like that, that co-owner face. Um, but who's that going to be from Fenway Sports Group? Because you're right. Is this a portfolio or is this a hockey team? Because right. right now this city deserves a hockey team to be run uh, as, a, as a as a literally almost like as a, an original six type franchise. Yeah, you know, and, and we sure you know a lot of people use the term spoiled. Um, you know, five Stanley Cups in you know thirty two years. Yeah, I guess you could call us spoiled. Um, Lemieux, Yager, then Crosby and Malkin. I guess you could call us spoiled, but I, I just think that's what you expect, like you said, of a franchise of this stature is that it's more than just a balance sheet maneuver for John Henry and somebody, you know, on a spreadsheet up in Boston, that it's, that it, they actually feel ownership of it. Like I said, that the owners actually own it because when they don't, that's when you end up with absentee owners. That's when you end up with owners who don't spend the cap. That's when you end up with owners who aren't engaged in what fans want to see. And you get more empty seats, you get fewer playoff checks getting cashed and you get an organization that, 
at this point in the on-ice product, a couple years yet left in what's left of the core three, right? Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. You'd hate to see the on-ice product go in, in a downward spiral over the next few years at the same time that the business aspect of things seems unengaged, disengaged with the fans as a whole, too. Yeah, and, and I think that this new group coming in has the perfect model of what both ends look like when you have the, the Pirates and then you have the Steelers. I mean, the Steelers were, you set the bar for how many years, and now they're going mm -hmm. through uh, a bit of a transition, but, you know, almost a transition to the point where I, I think with spending some some dollars here, like they might be able to put a competitive football team back on the field. And then you kind of have the reverse of that, of, of the Pirates who, you know, if they build it, people will come. Like right. Pirates, P Pittsburgh fans, like they want every reason to sell out PNC Park, um, but they're just the model hasn't been working. So I'm just hopeful that, you know, they understand like what this fan base is and, and this fan base has had a history of, you know, if they're mistreated and if they don't feel like things are right. being fair and, and they're not putting the right product on this, like they won't come. That's why the team almost, you know, took off in, in the past. Yeah. Um, but then in the flip side of it, you know, you draft well, you, you know, you have superstars that, you know, are good in the community, good leaders, this and all that, like, and you build around them and you have championships, like half a million people at a parade, like this, this fan base is off the charts, but I think they're great because they hold ownership accountable in the city. Just wait, Tango, until they, they drop enough games down the stretch that they end up in the lottery and they win and get bedard somehow. Oh, people lose right. their minds. <laughs> <laughs> Could you the, imagine that? Way? The hockey world would implode on itself. Um, real quick, before I let you run, since we're talking ownership, there's got to be good ownership stories. I mean, you played for an organization that was owned and run by Mario Lemieux and Ron Burkle, who are regarded as some of the best over the years in Pittsburgh, if not in the NHL. You also played over in Russia where things are just wild and crazy. It's like the wild, wild West. Um, so there's got to be a good owner story, whether it's one of yours personally. I always tell you, you don't have to name names if you don't want to. Uh, but it, maybe it's somebody else who said, man, you're not going to believe what I saw this guy do. Yeah. I mean, the easiest is just go back to the KHL. I mean, it's like I tell people <laughs> the wild, wild West of hockey. Most teams are mafia run. Um, oh, my God. You know, our, our team in Kazakhstan was owned by, I believe, the vice president of the country who also owned the, one of the largest companies in the country as well. Like talk about collusion. You couldn't believe, yeah. but it just so happened that every time we went on losing streaks, we didn't get paid. And then the second we'd start winning a few games, their paychecks would start coming through. Um, so, I mean, from a financial standpoint, that was like the craziest thing I've ever been a part of because you sign a contract, everything's legit. And then all right. of a sudden uh, a losing streak happens and, Oh, we're just waiting for funds to clear and everything's fine. Don't panic. And three, four or five weeks later, you're not paid and you're wondering what's happening. And it comes back to being a uh, performance based. But no, I, I've been really fortunate. Uh, Pittsburgh, great ownership. Winnipeg had incredible ownership. Um, uh, obviously, Detroit um, with the Illich family, they were fantastic, even in the, into the minors with the Van Andel. So I've been really, really lucky, lucky to the point where I never felt like I was just like, we always use the term pawn in a chess game. Like every right. owner knew my name, knew about me, shook my hand. And you wouldn't believe how far that goes with guys. Like you play oh, yeah. hockey, it's a business. Like obviously you want to provide for your own family, but when you have an owner who's not just invested in his ROI, but is invested as, in his players, as people, as employees, as human beings, um, that, that, that I think that makes a huge factor and ends up probably saving some of these teams money in the long run. You know, you have a guy that, you know, possibly like a, we'll talk about maybe like a Brian Rust. If you go out to free agency, maybe you left some money on the table, Chris Letang. But 
that the relationships, the foundation, the organization left with them, the families, everything involved, like those all go into free agency decisions. Having those interpersonal relationships actually probably end up saving owners money, but it's also really important for their brand as well. I don't know how the hell you did it in Kazakhstan, man. Like, how do you how do you go out there and not worry about like taking a bad penalty and ending up in Siberia? I I don't, I don't know how you you existed there as long as you did, my man. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's there's something to life when you roll, you know, spin the roulette wheel every day you wake up. There's something right. that you keep, keeps you living. But no, honestly, I only made it through five months and then I came home. So, but even five months over there. there is nuts. I mean, my God, I give you all the credit in the world for surviving that somehow and still coming back for the most part in one piece. I'll let you run. We'll catch up again on Friday. Hopefully, we've got at least one win out west to talk about then, and we'll we'll turn ahead, turn the page to that huge game against the Caps Saturday night uh, when the Pens get back home. But thanks for the time today, Tango. Appreciate it, man. No, thank you. Looking forward to Friday. I'll talk to you then. Great stuff with Tango, as always. Again, Friday, he'll rejoin. Typically, we do Mondays and Wednesdays with him, but this week, Tuesday and Friday, as the schedule took a little bit of a twist with the back-to-back on the road out in Colorado and Dallas. And to be honest, that's what we've got to address next. Thursday night on ESPN against the Stars. But first, Wednesday night on TNT against the Avalanche. Somehow, some way, when the Avs were here in Pittsburgh last month, the Penguins stole one in overtime. The focus of that game afterwards was a hit on Kale McCarr by the aforementioned Jeff Carter. Are they still talking about that out there, despite Kale McCarr being second star of the week? Are they still talking about how deep they can go as defending Stanley Cup champs. We'll talk to Will Peterson of 104.3, the fan in Denver. He joins me next on Fifth Avenue Faceoff.